today, a pretty common passage of Scripture. Let's go to verse, let's, let's start at verse 6. It says, At midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. And then those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Give us some of your oil. For our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, and they said, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy it for yourself. Go buy it for yourself. And while they went to buy, Jesus came. The bridegroom came. And those who were ready, who had oil, went in. And as they went in with Jesus, the door was shut behind them. And as that door was shut, those who went to buy, who, who realized the lateness of the hour, they went to buy and they came back. And he said, this is what I want you to see here. Lord, open to us. Notice, notice what they called him. Lord. Lord. Once the door is closed, if he's not Lord before the door closes, he can't be Lord after the door closes. They said, Lord, open to us. Now you're Lord. But he answered and he said, I say to you, I don't know you. I met you, but I don't know you. I don't know you. There's two churches represented in this passage. Two churches. One church valued the presence of Jesus. And then there was another church who did not value the presence of Jesus. The church that valued the presence of Jesus had oil. Church that did not value the presence of Jesus, they had a little bit. So what this story tells us is just because you met him doesn't mean you know him. To meet him once and never know him again is to live in a very dangerous place. Especially as time ticks towards the end of the end. And we are at the end of the end, church. I'm your pastor. I'm telling you, we are at the end of the end. Like the trumpet could sound at any second. <laughs> like, like when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies. I mean, just go through the Old Testament and just give it a peruse. It's just, whew, we're there, man. I mean, we're there. So he said, he said, and what we can assume then, okay, so to, to have met him is different to know him. 
So you, you, perhaps you did give your life to Jesus one time. Maybe there was an altar call that was, that was given and you answered. And you had a little oil. And that little oil was meant to get you to the next place with Jesus. But you neglected it. But we, but, but, so I'm talking to, I'm not talking to you when I say you. I'm talking to the to foolish church. I don't want you to feel indicted today. I'll, I'll use me as the foolish church, okay? So Troy, you met, him, you met him, but you didn't go back to know him. So you had a little oil, which was you had the opportunity So we can, we can say then, then, meeting him is not knowing him. And, and to know him, those who knew Jesus, the wise church, the wise church who knew Jesus, well, their lamps were full. They're, they're, they had oil. Because you don't need to tell the anointed to get the anointing, they already know I got to stay ready. So you don't, see, you can always tell somebody who's anointed because they're ready in season and out of season. It's easy to be ready in season, right? Right, you play football. It's ready to be, you don't play football? You should. I'm prophesying. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just, I made some assumptions there, man. I thought it was a good assumption. I thought, what do you play? Baseball. Baseball. Doggone, that ball don't have a chance, son. Like, son, like you get a hold of that. It's, I want to bat behind you. No, in front of you. Yeah, in front of you. I don't know baseball that good. No. Honest with you, I never played it. We never had it. But it's it's easy to be ready in season. You're training. You're ready. I mean, it's it's what you do. You 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 you're doing the things that I don't see. Once again, I don't know, but I just assume that this is something you would do. I don't know, or this, you know. (laughs) You're ready for that though in its season. But it's hard to be ready out of season. It's easy to take a break when the season ends. It's easy, it's easy to assume Monday is your day off for a Christian. It's easy, it's easy to believe, like, I could, I could chill. You know, I, I, I put the work in on Sunday, you know, so I, don't, I want to come climb that mountain with you, man, that you're climbing over there. You know, but you don't, you don't quit working in the offices. You stay working. The anointed, see, the church that had the oil understood presence, presence, presence. I just, I'm, I must have his presence, presence. See, what we must become is a church obsessed with presence, willing to forfeit agendas, time schedules, Uh, ego, pride, willing to lay it all down and say, just be glorified, Jesus. I just need you to come because I need your presence. So, so, so if we're going to be the wise church, 
then presence must be our highest priority in everything we do, the way we raise our families, the way we live on the job, the way we handle our business, the, what we teach our children. Do we teach our children? How, what are we teaching our children? It, what it tells me also is that uh, what was really indicated was that the value system was exposed. It was exposed. Yeah, it was exposed, it said, because the wise church valued my presence. But the foolish church, they came to church on Sunday, but I didn't matter much on Monday. So the value, see, there was value. It was their values. There will come a day when what we value will be just exposed for everyone to see. And I ask you today, what's most valuable to you? The oil. Said they went to buy it. Mm. (laughs) They went and they bought it. How do you... How do you buy presents? How do you buy the presence of Jesus? Let me ask you something. I'm going to use this word, and it's 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 a it's a it's a church. It's a biblical word, but I want to I want to bring clarity to what it means. Okay, the anointing. See, the anointing is this thing in the Old Testament that would they would pour oil on the anointed. They would just. They would just pour the oil on the anointed. Not like today, we just dip it in there and stick it on your head. No, no, back in the day, man, they would take the, they would fill a ram's horn, the one that you blow here all the time, David, and they would, they would pour the oil. You couldn't blow that somewhere else in the other locations for us. And they would just pour it on top of you, right? And... And as they, as they poured it on, the anointing, the anointing of God, it would, it would tell you that, that you, were, you have been anointed. Yes. You have been anointed. In the Old Testament, you were anointed from the outside. In the New Testament, Jesus anoints you from the inside. So the anointing, the Holy Spirit lives in you. The anointing not on you, the anointing coming from you. And he says you got to go buy this this anointing, this oil. Jesus is referred as the Messiah. I don't want to hack up the Hebrew word there, but it it means the oily one. It's a reference to the the candle in the tabernacle. Uh, It's the oily one who stands in the midst and burns. He's this oil that's on Jesus. There's, There's oil in the hem of, of the garment that he wears. This is known by the, the passage where the woman who's sick, there's healing, in the, there's healing in the oil. There's healing in his presence. There's healing in the oil. His presence is the oil. His presence. Whenever you're in his presence, you buy oil. Whenever you encounter his presence, you're, 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 you're purchasing oil. 
So you can't afford to just purchase it today. you got to go again tomorrow, purchase some more. Because the, as time goes, as we tick further into time, chronologically, we go into darker times. So the darker the day, the, the more oil is required, the more presence is required. And you must purchase it. You must purchase it. The, the wise church purchased the oil. They said, no, what we can learn from this further, I can tell today I'm never going to those notes. So you're going to have to tell me when I'm done. So we can say today that, so my oil, contrary to traditions of what we do at the altar, my oil will not heal you. My oil is non-transferable. I can't give you mine. I can, I can, I can ask for Jesus to give you some. I can only bring you to the anointed one. I can't make you have an encounter with him. But you'll always know those who have the anointing. They have the spirit of the anointed one living within them. It is tangible, noticeable. It is without doubt. Yes, you are anointed. Their words are different. Their walk is different. Your talk is different. You you think different. You live with a holy standard in your life that you're not willing to compromise, that you would please any man but only him because the anointing matters that much. And God needs a church to recognize the, the cost of the anointing. The anointing costs. You can go to heaven. But if you want, you want heaven here, you want to bring heaven here, that will cost you something. That will cost. There's a price tag attached to it. So he said to them, go buy it. The wise church looked at the church that had little oil and said, you best be getting down the road to where there's oil. Because you're running out of time. But I want you to see that it's purchased. It's purchased through presence. Let me ask you a very, very sobering question now. What'd you pay for it? What'd you pay for it? What'd you pay? What'd you pay for the oil in your alabaster box? What'd it cost you? Was it cheap? Huh? What'd you pay for it? Meaning, how much of his presence how much of this world were you willing to sacrifice for his presence? Were you willing to say no? Were you willing to turn it off? Were you willing to stop the conversation? 
how much of this world are you willing to sacrifice? If none go with me, still I will follow Jesus. How much of this world are you willing to let go of that you might apprehend the one who burns, the oily one? How much? Because I tell you, the measure of which you're willing to surrender this life will determine the measure of the anointing that you carry in your, in your lamp. It's proportionate. If, if the values that you carry, if you value the world more than you value presence, ah, uh, you got to say these things. Presence is not hard. Once you've decided, presence is all that matters. It's only hard for a duplicitous mind. It's only hard for a double-minded mind. When you're double-minded, when you say, I value the world, but I love Jesus on Sundays. There's a stupid shirt out there that says, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. That's ridiculous. You don't love Jesus. You don't love Jesus and cuss a little. You love Jesus, Jesus, his presence will purify you and purge you and bring you closer to him and closer to him. No, no, you can't, you can't tell me you love Jesus. But you value your flesh. You can say it, but it's really revealing. It's revealing of the presence you carry. It, say, it says this about the anointing, right? It says this in the Old Testament. It says the anointing of God, it destroys yokes. You read that, right? What else does it do? It lifts burdens. They're always like, Troy, Troy, preacher, tell me how come the church today is not doing what the, what the, 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 the New Testament church was doing. How come we don't see the, the signs and the wonders of the, of the New Testament church? And, and I would say, well, well, that's because we don't value presence as much as we value other things. Because we valued the oil. If the oil, see, if we value, if we really valued the oil, we'd have the, the anointing that would break the yoke of sickness, disease, even death. That's what it does. It breaks it. The anointing, the oil, the presence of Jesus will break. So, so I got this bobblehead Jesus that sits in my office. Nobody really sees it, right? It's up in the corner. So if you, if you ever come in, just look up in the corners. I got this cool bobblehead Jesus, you know, and he sits up in the corner and I put him up there back in my studio seven days. You know, I, I've got this little Bible. This is when I used to do college and college ministry. And, and I got this. I forget what message I preached, but I looked at this bobblehead. Jesus was so cool that I put him way up in the room because I wanted to remind myself, Jesus is always watching. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so like when I'm in there, I look up like, yeah, he's watching, man. He's watching. And once in a while, I go over there and poke it. You know, I'm watching. I'm watching. You. I'm watching you, man. 
there's, there's three types of Jesus you don't want. You don't want cheap Jesus. You don't want cheap Jesus. You don't want a contaminated Jesus. And you don't want fake Jesus. You, 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 those, so, so cheap Jesus is, cheap Jesus comes to us. He's really a Jesus we make in our own image. Because we call him Jesus, but we only see him a couple times a month. And, and it's cheap. It's cheap. Cheap Jesus, you know, cheap Jesus can't put families back together. Cheap anointing. Look at me. Cheap anointing can't put your marriage back together. It can't. It's cheap. I'm so tired of cheap anointing. Cheap anointing. Snake oil anointing. It's not, you know what I mean? It has a form of godliness, but no power. Aren't you tired of cheap anointing? I'm, t- I'm so tired of hearing names like Mike Bickle. I'm so tired of it. I'm like, dude, Really? Really, man? You disgrace the anointing and cheapen the anointing? I'm so tired of it. I I just can't do it anymore. I'm tired of cameras, microphones, comfortable seats, smoke. I'm tired of the internet, Instagram, Facebook. They're like, we're tired of you too, so we kicked you off. (laughs) I had to rebuild my Facebook account, man. It's messed up. I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of cheap anointing because I'm tired of seeing the lives of God's people destroyed because they've been sold a false bill of goods to believe that you can put one foot in the world and another foot in the kingdom and still have the blessing of the kingdom but still enjoy the carnal appetites and longings of this world. I'm so tired of it. We got to get to a point where we're just like, I'm fed up. I'm just so tired of it. I can't do it anymore. I don't even want to do it anymore. I'm tired of preaching sermons. They're goofy. They are. They're, they're, like, you know how long I've been preaching sermons, man? Like, we should have preached our way into heaven by now. We should be there. If sermons do it, man, we got enough of them. But you know what I never get tired of? His presence. His presence. Jesus, I would rather you, I would rather say nothing and lay on a floor and the train of your robe fill the temple and there be authentic and genuine transformation and come to the church than say another word ever for the rest of my life. I would rather that happen every time we gather. The tangible presence of the living God, smoke fill the room, not from a machine back there that's fabricated, but smoke from the holy incense of heaven would just saturate God's people. That's what I'm looking for, man. We know it's possible. We know it's possible. They had it in the Old Testament before they had Jesus. It said that the priests would go in and they couldn't minister because the the thickness of the God's glory would be there. My God, bring us back again to that place where there's such reverence for the presence of God where we fall down prostrate and sin is purged from our heart and we got nothing left to give but hallelujahs to God. 
Cheap oil. Cheap oil won't deliver your children. You say, why are you so hard? Because cheap oil won't break addiction off of our kids, man. Cheap. It's cheap. So you can't. You are not meant, your life was not meant to be run with cheap oil. If you were an engine, I had this old Suzuki Samurai back in the day. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so Suzuki, I don't know what year it was, but you know the ones, you know, back in the 90s, they were in a big deal, you know, had big music in it, big fat tires on it. And it would jingle as it drove because the music was so loud, it was shaking all the boats loose. <laughs> but let me tell you what, I, I did not value, I had zero appreciation for that engine. I'd put Wesson in it if I could. I would put the cheapest gas, the cheapest oil. I would put cheap oil in it. Why? Because I just didn't care. I didn't care about it. You know, that when I came to Jesus and he forgave me, oh, I was like, holy moly, man. Woo. You mean you forgive me? The scripture tells us. To the one who has forgiven much, that one loves because they realize that their sin is so reprehensible. They realize, when I look in the mirror, I'm telling you, I don't see myself. I mean, I got to fight to see myself righteous, but I got to tell you, I look in there and go, Ooh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Never thought of suicide, but homicide often. thank you Lord for saving me a sinner why you go so hard man you don't realize what I've been forgiven of sin you see presence is cheap when sin is cheap but once you realize and I want you to hear me sin is so dangerous it is destructive it will kill you Sin will kill you. It will kill everyone around you too. It's destructive. Don't let anybody tell you it's a medical condition or don't, have, don't ever minimize sin. Don't ever minimize it because if the moment you minimize it, I want you to look at Jesus on the cross and tell him that that sin wasn't that big a deal. That sin was a huge deal. So big, so big a deal that the Son of God had to hang upon a cruel cross and suffer the penalty of death, be laid in a, in a grave and be yanked out of that grave by the power of the Father. Your sin and my sin is enormous. But the free gift of God is salvation to the believer. So our hearts, so, so there should be so much like value for his presence thank you jesus for your presence thank you that you make me new thank you god that you give me new beginnings thank you god that you that you that you wash me that you cleanse me that you make me whole thank you god for all that you do for me thank you lord that there's no sin too depraved that there's no distance too far no matter where i go you found me god thank you that you found me so i won't cheapen it and i won't make it easy 
I don't think God wants it to be easy. He said the one who will lose his life will find his life. That's not cheap. That's not cheap, Jesus. That's expensive. Lavish love. Extravagant love. So you can't put cheap oil in your engine. <laughs> You're not a Suzuki Samurai. All right? Stop, cheap. Stop treating yourself like, like an 88 Suzuki Samurai painted at the, uh, what's that old guy that used to paint him? Mako, that's exactly where I went. I got a $200 Earl Shide, man. <laughs> that runs in the paint and everything. Cared nothing about that car, but you know, your, the cost of your soul, you know what it is? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. He paid for you and I to have access to his presence so he could keep us full of his presence. So that way when the fight comes, because the fight's coming, when the fight comes, you'll be ready for the fight. His presence is not cheap. Secondly, you can't pollute it. You can't put in your life polluted Jesus, contaminated Jesus. Psalm 133 tells us this. See, many of us today, we're walking around with contaminated oil. The oil, there's a fly in the ointment, and it putrefies the oil, and it makes it stink. Yeah. And, and Psalms 133 tells us something. It tells us something about the church, that we're walking in disharmony with one another, but still asking for public anointing. can't do it <laughs> he said how good and pleasant it is when brethren when the church dwells together in unity he says like precious oil it's like the oil of God's presence poured out on Aaron's head runs down all the way through his garments and he says when he sees the oil on the believer's life when he sees it not on just the believer but on the believer's lives when he sees when he sees that oil he commands what? The blessing. We can't ask for the blessing and hold resentment and offense in our hearts and unforgiveness in our hearts. We cannot do it. So we can't allow the oil of God's presence to be mixed with unforgiveness. He won't bring his anointing. I want us to see how valuable our unity is with one another. How when we touch and agree, how powerful that is under the eyes of heaven. When we touch and we agree for the sick to be raised, there cannot be then, what the scripture is telling us, is there cannot be any unforgiveness present. Because unforgiveness divides. Whether you're holding my hand or not, whether you say the words or not, God sees the unforgiveness. And he says, I won't move on that church. I cannot move on that church until that church deals with their unforgiveness. The oil has to be pure. So I can't command. So what, what triggers, the, what triggers the, the blessing on the believer's life is the purity of their heart. He said, once I see a bride that is, that is one with me, 
that walks with me, that will die to their own desires, that will lay aside their own carnal pursuits and their own agendas, who will lay down, prostrate, and surrender to me their lives fully and say, it's not about me. I love, I love what, what John the Baptist said. They came to him, and he said, tell us who you are. Give us an account for the, for the anointing on your life. Tell us who you are, they said. And this is what he said. He said, he didn't tell them who he was. He told them who he wasn't. He said, I am not the Christ. I can, I can take you to him. But I can't deliver you. I can't heal you. I can't, I can't take your sins away from you. Only he can do that. And as long as we, as long as we believe we got something to do with this and we're mad at each other, that, that, as long as we hold that posture, he will not bless the church. In the, now, I'm not here to tell God what he can do. I'm just telling you what the scripture says here. I just find it, I find it, I think... The measure by which he will pour his, his, his anointing on us is hindered by the unforgiveness we harbor in our hearts. And you can rationalize it all you want. You know why you need to forgive them? For your oil. <laughs> Man, I don't forgive you because you deserve it. I'd forgive you because my oil matters and my children will need my prayers to avail much and this city needs my prayers to, to ascend to the highest place they can so I can't harbor unforgiveness or hatred or resentment or boiling contempt in my heart for you no matter what you've done to me no matter how bad you've spoken of me for 25 years I can't, I can't be mad at you I have to forgive you and I have to bless you why? because I need my anointing to work man I need my engine to run right. I can't allow oil to be poured into my life that has impurities of unforgiveness in it. And many of us hold on to unforgiveness because, you know, well, they did us wrong and they did us dirty. It's okay. Give them some jelly beans. That's what, if you ever do my wife dirty and you get some jelly beans, she's telling you something. That's what her mom taught her to do. Somebody does you wrong, you go to the store, get some jelly beans. That's what we did for Precious. Her whole, you know, when kids at school would be mean to her. All right, let's go to Costco, get that big thing of jelly beans. You ever see them jelly beans? Them jelly beans are good, man. Like, who would you give you a jelly belly? Yeah, but <laughs> you got to forgive. You have to forgive. And forgetting will come later. All right? Just know that. You see, a God, you're not God yet. You, you know, like, you're not him. You're in the process. So you just have to start the process. And starting the process looks first like, God, I forgive them. Why? Because I need your presence in my life more than I want to be right. I forgive them. Why? Because I need your presence in my life because there is a fight on the horizon of the enemy and he doesn't care whether what they said about me. Matter of fact, he likes that. He likes that because it separates the, the power of the anointing. 
So you just start, you just start, you just forgive them. You just forgive them and you say, I forgive them and I bless them. Lord, I pray, I pray now for them and I bless them. Because where God sees the oil, now I want you to see this, where God sees unity, he see, where God sees forgiveness and unity, he pours his presence in that place. He pours his presence. That's why Sundays matter so much. He said, oh, Sundays don't matter. Man, if we can get in here and we can get our hearts to a place of purity, if we can gather together, this is why Sundays are the most overlooked days. If you ask me, they are the most underrated days, according to Christians. They come in, they stroll in, they, they don't care, but they don't understand. If they would come in with pure hearts, we could get to a place of unified faith. When we get to that place of unified faith, there's unity there. God sees the unity. He sees the harmony, the oneness. The t- this is why the 120 in the upper room was so amazing. Go study it. It said they were in agreement. They, 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 were, they were as one. Jesus said, I want you to be one as me and the Father are one. Because where there is a unit, unified power there, where there's unity, there is the, the oil. Where there is oil, Oil is the presence of God. So wherever we come in and we would be unified from the purity of our hearts, he said, I will pour my spirit out in that place like I want other places. And then, and then, when I see the oil in the hem of Jesus, anyone who grabs it will be made whole. Then, where the oil gathers, where the oil is saturated, then anybody who pushes through apathy and complacency and touches the hem of his garment shall be made whole. There's healing in the oil. That's why you can't allow it. You can't allow it to be cheap. You can't allow it to be impure. It has to be pure. And then lastly, you, you don't, so you don't need a, a cheap Jesus. You, you, you don't need a... An impure Jesus. And this is the one. You got to stop with the fake Jesus. We got to stop with the fake in it. The pretending has got to quit in the church of the living God. This, 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 this manipulating God has got to quit. He said, I don't manipulate God. Jacob, Jacob comes to his father. He puts on, he, I, this dude must have been hairy, hairy. You know what I mean? I know Esau, this dude must have been like Billy Goat Harry. Like he said he killed a, a goat. Put the goat on his hand. That's some werewolf stuff, y'all. He had a condition. Esau, bro, like you was hairy. Big, he might have been a Bigfoot. So he comes. This, this dude decides he's going to steal the blessing. Takes, his, takes a goat, puts it on his hand, comes in, smelling like a goat. And his father touches his hand. And he says, ah, ah, that's ah, the voice of Jacob. But this is the hand of Esau. And many of us approach God that way. With the voice of Jacob, but the hands of Esau. 
attempting to steal that which only comes from relationship. You cannot steal the presence. You can't fake it. Anytime, anytime you search the Bible, you search it. Check what I'm saying. You search the Bible and you tell me. Anytime they tried, ask Ananias and Sapphira how that worked out. That was the last time they faked it. And that was in the New Testament. And perhaps it was there to let us know. You cannot lie to God and expect the presence of God to bless you. You cannot live a false life in one area and then ask for God's blessing to be on your life in other areas. You cannot live a life that betrays him in other areas and then ask for God to lay his hand on your children without repentance. I mean, they, they were preaching one time. They were preaching and they said, we, we, we cast you out by the Jesus that Paul preaches. They tried to pretend. They tried to take what belonged to Paul and use it and pass it out off as if it were their own. And you know what the devil did to them? Whooped them up real good. Whooped them up real good. And I want you to know, the days of pretense in the house of God have got to stop. The days of pretending to be okay have got to come to an end. We are in the, in the last hours of the last hours. And today is a day where we must come to him with purity on, on, in our hearts. And we must come to him in sincerity, with genuineness, and say, God, I'm not going to fake it. This is what I'm dealing with. This is the areas of my life I'm struggling in. This is where I, 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 I'm failing. These are my failing points. But I refuse to attempt to manipulate you I'll be authentic before you I come before you and I say God oh search me God and know if there's any wickedness in me get it out of me because your presence your holy presence is the only thing that matters to me so we must we must resist the temptation to fake it we must live honestly before God you know our children need to see us live honestly our children need to see us own our mistakes confess our sin and say I was wrong forgive me Jesus our children deserve to see us at the altar why because they we cannot pass down to them a Jesus, a version of Jesus that says, you can just come in on Sunday, fake it a little bit, then go home on Monday and live however you want. It's not possible, church. I'm just here to tell you it's not possible. And I don't know, you know, they've been, they've been trying to pass off this snake oil gospel for a while, but it's just not, that's not real presence of Jesus is costly it's costly when Mary broke open that box and she poured her, her anointing oil on Jesus she paid a lot for it and it tells us that our anointing the presence of Jesus we care the anointing on our lives is not not to be put in a box If we're going to release the presence of Jesus, we must live broken. 
This is what the scriptures say. A broken and a contrite heart I will not despise. I won't. He said, I'll come. I'll come to a broken people. I'll come to a people who will humble themselves and say, I don't know how, but I know you do. stand to your feet as we close so let's pray this prayer it's real simple prayers there's three of them I just ask you to close your eyes bow your heads there maybe lift your palms up as an act of surrender just pray simply and you, it's just between you and the Lord you don't have to repeat after me but, but there, there's just three simple prayers Lord give me a spirit and a heart that is broken by my sin rather than proud. Make my oil costly. Lord, help me to forgive. Make my oil pure. Lord, I desire an authentic relationship with you. I'm done pretending. Make my oil genuine. Bless your people today, Lord. May we be a church. Care is the oil of Jesus in all sincerity. May we be the church without spot or wrinkle. May we be a people so sold out for the presence of Jesus that we deliver the entire nation. For your word says it's possible. Your words to Abraham were, if you found 50, I would spare Sodom. So Lord, let us be the church that walks in such harmony with you, such purity with one another, that you use us. You use your presence within each of us to bring deliverance to this world. Freedom through every drug-addicted, every alcoholic every sinner you're here today and you've never called upon the name of the Lord this is a day of providence for you pray this prayer with me Lord Jesus I ask you to forgive me of my sin come into my heart and make me brand new take my life now change this world all for your glory, Jesus. I desire to make you famous and not me. I give my life to you. All of it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Live right. Live everybody. Pray hard. God bless you. Thank you for coming out today. Love you.